0: Do you not see, therefore, that for full thanksgiving blessings you should dedicate your souls in unswerving loyalty to Jesus? Acclaim Him your Savior, and He will proclaim you His eternally redeemed. His promise is, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. If the Holy Spirit now grants me the privilege of speaking into the souls of some of you, who up to this thanksgiving day have spent your own lives apart from the Lord and against Christ, only to realize that your plans have been battered in the past and your hopes shattered for the future. Then may the Spirit help you make this day of the truest thanksgiving, a time of rejoicing, even in heaven, as you stop your rebellion against the Almighty and turn to His Son for pardon, joy, and salvation. Walter Meyer Welcome everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi and David Apple to talk about Thanksgiving.
1: Gentlemen, how are you? I'm doing well. It's glad to be with you today and I am looking forward to this conversation. I know that this is releasing on Thanksgiving Day. It should be a a good day and a day of blessing, a day of, you know, great joy as it should be. Even in this year, I think when things are a little bit unusual, you know, this is still a time to give thanks, wouldn't you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's always time to give thanks, even in
2: the midst of well, whatever year you're in. Uh, David, how about you? Yeah, doing well. Looking forward. I've got some uh, guests at my house right now. Not, uh, I won't disclose the the number of people there, um, but we do have <laughs> Andy's some... Andy's paddy wagon is on the way. <laughs> we do have some people here looking forward to uh, Thursday, definitely.
0: Good deal. Um, how is the weather down in
2: Paducah? warm today I think the temperature got into the 50s or it's supposed to get into the 50s today so we had a little bit of a warm-up um, of course it doesn't usually get super cold here until uh, well it, it never really gets super cold but <laughs> we won't have really we won't hit uh, winter levels probably until mid-December January for sure. Zolan how
1: about you? Yeah, I don't understand anything that David just said, you know, not super cold or not till December, but things are, no, things are good. I mean, the weather's nice here and it's actually fairly warm, all things considered. I mean, things are kind of starting to trend downwards, but we've been, you know, relatively snow free for a while. So that's always nice before the, you know, the deep parts of winter set in, but yeah, things are, things are brisk. Let's put it that way. Well, things continue to be mild here
0: in central Illinois. So, uh, waiting on that winter weather to get here. It's just uh, windy as usual. Fall will get here. A lot, a lot more critters lately. I, um, I unsuccessfully tried to trap a possum last week, which uh, ended in me trapping a skunk by mistake. And that's nice. as far as I'll go with that story. So, critters are active. Weather's mild. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see we'll see what the future holds. Kind of waiting for winter to get here.
1: Although Willie, we're we're glad to have you back up from you know your your journeys down into the center of the earth. Well, I must say it was very muggy
0: and warm down there. The crab people were excellent hosts, much better than the mole people. <laughs> and I was not able to make contact with that other tribe that moves all the levers down there. So, uh, yeah. But Lord willing, you know, once we get the first snow, I'll go back under. And uh, we'll report to you from the hollow Earth uh, more things so. is
2: there do you I mean I know we can't really disclose this, Willie, but are there are you supposed to give some kind of secret cryptic message about you know latitudes and longitudes where you find entry into the earth well
0: well brother David, everything is masonry at the end of the day, so yes. I can't <laughs> cannot reveal that, but yes. <laughs>
2: At certain time marks in this episode, there will be numbers spoken. <laughs> the perceptive listener can find such things Here at a word fitly spoken, everything is a dog whistle <laughs>
0: uh, well so geez. so we're coming into Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a good time for many people, and I just want to start off with some really lightweight stuff before we get into before we get into the history of Thanksgiving and the salutary custom of days of thanksgiving things like that i just want to know what's your guys favorite thing on the table at thanksgiving dinner
1: Ooh, that's that's a good question i I, i'll have to admit i'm kind of partial for the pies that's just me um i've always enjoyed a good pecan pie and also you know good pumpkin pies and stuff like that i don't know if that says something about me as a person but (laughs) No, I like I like pumpkin pie for like the first 3 bites
0: and then I'm I'm good. It's like I'm I'm ready for I'll be ready for pumpkin pie next year. Yeah, when, <laughs> it's delicious,
2: when, but that's all I need. Uh, the pumpkin pie, it's for me it's I I never really like, you know, I don't like pumpkin just about any other time of the year. I don't like pumpkin pancakes, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread. But pumpkin pie has got to be the highlight of thanksgiving see i can go pumpkin bread i could be
0: convinced but but then you've got if you have a pecan pie setting there though that's my thing
2: okay well let's go away from sweets then let's say savory items what are you going to go with i think when i was younger i would have said the stuffing but but now honestly i just like the turkey with gravy i mean it and and i don't know your preference here this may cause some schism but i like i like white meat better (laughs) <laughs> I'm very also particular to the meats on the
1: table. You know, turkey or other meats, whatever might be available. You know, it, it's always nice, especially when it's well done and juicy. And we've had, especially these past several years, um, smoked turkey and stuff like oh, that, nice. which is always, yeah. which is always quite good. So, no, I, I, I would, I would agree with David on that. But I'm kind of a, I don't know. I kind of like the dark meats
2: because I think they tend to be a little juicier in some ways. So, well, that, that's why you got to get a good, you know, some good gravy that goes on there. Zellen. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, as you all know, I do prefer the dark meats in general, but um, you know, that's uh let's say to each their own, to each their own. Now the dressing stuffing debate is always interesting. We could go on for uh, the whole hour uh, on that, but you know, we're all kind of getting close to <laughs> close to the, excuse me. I've, I'm tickled all of a sudden. We uh, we we're getting close to the kind of Middle America thing where we there's not a lot of stuff that you put in your in your stuffings or dressings out this way. Do you any of you do sausage or oysters or anything?
2: Yeah, that was never a thing. It was what do we got? Celery, bread, of course, onions, and a, a large variety of spices. But I, I never put the meat inside the meat. Never never a thing for me.
0: Not even giblets or anything?
2: I don't think so. I mean, I I could be wrong. I don't really observe what happens in the kitchen. I just show up at the proper time. Yeah. Let let me put it this way, Willie. You're
1: talking to a guy who has lived in a part of the world about as far away as you can get from major bodies of water as possible. Do you think we're going to have any kind of oysters in our Thanksgiving dinner? (laughs) I didn't know if maybe on the fur route... (laughs)
0: A delicacy? Some,
1: a rare delicacy?
0: <laughs> yeah, there's fresh water <laughs> mussels or something. I don't know.
1: Well, even even North Dakota in general, or eastern Montana, is not known for its bodies of water. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah.
0: Which I feel like now I need to plug this wonderful book by Mark Kurlansky called The Big Oyster, which is a history of New York City and its oyster beds in the Hudson River. Uh, so go read The Big Oyster <laughs> and get back to me, because it's a fascinating book. So that brings us back to the Hudson, uh, brings us back east, and brings us to Thanksgiving. Now that we've done the hard-hitting portions, answered the questions that everyone wanted to know. Why are we talking about Thanksgiving? Well, Thanksgiving week right now, it's going to drop on Thanksgiving, as we've already mentioned. And it's a very important thing. And you know what? Zell and David, sometimes Thanksgiving Day is maligned both by people inside and outside of the church. And we kind of want to rescue that, don't we?
2: Yeah, we want to defend a, a great national holiday, and a, a holiday that, I, at least in my memory, was, always, was never complete without being in church. Now, I, I think I do recall sometimes going to a Thanksgiving Eve service, but um, that is why I pray, O oh Lord, remember not the sins of my youth, it just isn't right to have the tur- to sit down to the turkey if you haven't been in the Lord's house that morning.
1: Well, now I I will at least be honest here and say that growing up where we were, especially in some parts out here as well, you know, a Thanksgiving Day service is not a common thing. And I mean, I, I'll admit, you know, so I didn't really have it growing growing up. But having had it here since I moved here into Central North Dakota, I can certain I certainly appreciate, you know having it, and it is a great joy and a great blessing because, yeah, in some sense, it really is incomplete until you have, you know, given thanks to the Lord for the things which you have received, right?
0: Well, you know, cutting my Christian teeth in Sunni Calvinism, (laughs) it's interesting because even days like Christmas were frowned upon, Easter, the church holidays, but days of Thanksgiving were not. They were actually encouraged, oddly Hmm. enough, because of the Bible. You know, because (laughs) we'll we'll get to that days of Thanksgiving are actually prescribed where the other ones by the letter of the law are not a very American thing. Thanksgiving. Other nations do have days of Thanksgiving. You know, Canada does and uh, other places, but that's not my concern. I'm going to be as American as I can today. I'm not going to say I don't care, but that's not the subject of, of today's episode. We're talking about American Thanksgiving it's become so so funny historically because everybody wants to kind of claim that the first thanksgiving was celebrated there, right? Florida, Texas, Maine, Virginia, those kinds of things. And uh we're we're going to go with the traditional story. Basically what you see in Charlie Brown is what we're is what we're advocating for here. A New England set historic thanksgiving and what grew out of that so we can we can talk about Spanish Thanksgiving another time, if you want, when we get into Spanish history. But this is maybe the one area where I'm not a revisionist, right?
1: No, I I th- I think it's important to point out, as you said, that, you know, Thanksgiving as a phenomenon is not just some weird American custom that we somehow came up with all on our own. But it is something that has, you know, strong backgrounds. It has a strong tradition. And the, the peculiarities which, you know, are attached to our celebration of Thanksgiving, yeah, you know, that might be uniquely American. But it is not like this is something that we'd have to just utterly get rid of because it's totally unbiblical in concept.
0: Right, exactly. And I, and I think that, you know, for we're kind of speaking, you know, in, in hushed tones here. But what we're talking about is, one the kind of secular rejection of thanking God for everything that we have. And then, too, this notion among some types in the Christian church that's like, well, it's just a civil holiday, and how dare we observe it? Right. But if we connect Thanksgiving to God's bounty, God's providence, and God's provision, if we understand it as growing out of English harvest festivals and Puritan solemn feast days, for lack of a better word, of Thanksgiving, well, then now it all makes sense. We are thanking God for what he has given us in the context of what he's given us in the nation. When we were an agrarian class, uh, by and large in Americans, before the Industrial Revolution, before uh, processed everything, before urbanization, I think we understood it better. That's a recurring theme here. But, you know, (laughs) so there's this idea that, you know, to be close to the earth is, is a little bit silly, or, or shameful. And and uh, thanks be to God, we hear from a lot of our listeners that they don't believe that way, that they believe that, that it's good to go back to this. Uh, there's a point to what I'm saying here, but I would rather follow the lead of men who were close to the earth, who lived a little bit on the edge, you know, really, really having skin in the game and having risk. You know, what we have today when people are pushing back either secular or Christian against the day of Thanksgiving are people that you know, getting weather reports through technology—they don't understand. They're they're unwrapping foods wrapped in plastic made of ingredients that they don't know where they came from and don't know what the names mean. They they're using technology they don't understand and all sorts of things, and yet they would then now presume to say that they know more than the person who has to know which way the wind blows, uh, so that he can raise crops to feed his family, his village, his country. And and so so my point is these these men in those days and women that these citizens these patriots these Christians are are closer to God uh, because of their circumstances in a way, and that we think that we're so enlightened and so on and so forth when we don't know where anything comes from anymore. You know, we don't <laughs> yeah. even think of food seasonally. We do in kind of a bourgeois kind of way. You know, oh, it's seasonal greens here at the market that I can get literally any time of the year I want to. So these are men who live by times and seasons. That is to say, these are men who live by the providence of God. And if you understand Thanksgiving as giving thanks for God's provision, then you have to see it as a day of remembering God's providence, remembering God.
1: Well, I I mean, setting aside your your regionalism there, which I wholeheartedly endorse, don't get me wrong here. Consider even what we're doing, like with quoting from Walter A. Meyer as part of the introduction and also as part of the conclusion to this episode. We're doing that for a very specific reason, because if you remember, Walter Meyer is is talking about Thanksgiving in some of the most difficult periods within American history. I mean, yeah. you have the, the Dirty 30s, for example, you have World War II, and yet... Meyer could very clearly and very forcefully say that we should still give thanks on these days to God for the many blessings which we have, even when we can't see them. And so, I mean, especially in our time where, you know, we're dealing with maybe a difficult year or something like that, you know, whatever you might think of it, we are still in a relatively better off position than they were, you know, all those years ago. And yet those people in those times could still give thanks to the Lord for the many blessings which they received. You know, why, why can't we do the same?
0: And, and to be fair, most people are going to hear this and think who's mad about Thanksgiving, but trust me, wherever two or three Lutherans are gathered on the internet, someone is mad about something.
1: Truth. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it, it it does continuously crop up within Lutheran circles, especially on the Internet, where there's a question about, you know, why should we celebrate Thanksgiving or why, you know, it's an American thing. It's not something that's always been a part of the history of the church. And for that reason, we shouldn't celebrate it or we should at least not make it into a big deal as it is. And they probably mean well by what they're doing because you know they want to be universal they want to have you know something with a connection to the history of the church but i think it can come off in the wrong way and so i think that that is primarily what we are talking about as we're talking about the history
2: of thanksgiving today well and it's an it's an odd thing because i i think we i think we all want the church to be a more of us what a driving force in the life of our certainly we would want it to be a driving force in the life of our nation. And we lament when it isn't. And also when it's not a, a driving force in the life of our own fam the families of our church. And so to have kind of a ready-made opportunity here, I guess the thought is maybe there's no way that it can be redeemed, but I, I just don't see how that's possible. It is it is so so much connected to scripture, and and like Willie was saying before, you have the Old Testament mandates for days of Thanksgiving, and you don't have that in the New Testament, but it grows out of it organically, I think. And uh, I just feel like it would be a missed opportunity to just say, you know, you can celebrate this one at home in whatever way you want to, but then when it comes to the other holidays, now we're going to try to get people into the church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and especially when you're dealing with, you know, the, the traditions and the customs that come up around, say, like Christmas, or or maybe to put it a little bit more pointedly, too, you know, you want people to observe these other things, which, you know, do have historical precedent within Western Christendom. But then you try to, do, you know, you get to something like this with Thanksgiving, where it does have a strong tradition in America, and you say, well, no thanks. Well, I think you're kind of sending a mixed message there. I don't know. We're getting We're getting pretty... A little, we're getting hot already in the first part of the segment. Yeah, so. we're
0: wanting this to be a comfy episode about turkey, and now uh, <laughs> now this has happened. <laughs> we can go back to side dishes if you want, but no, it's all it's all very good stuff. Uh, and again, it's another opportunity to get together in the middle of the week to to preach, to hear the word, possibly receive the sacrament, depending on what you're doing. It's just a good thing. Why, like you want to add Saint Swiggins Day or whatever? To your list of, of midweek services, out you know out in your in your parishes, but you know you want to balk at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Come on, guys!
2: It's one more. Every opportunity is good. Yeah, every opportunity <laughs> to preach the word is good. I say there there is. A, I was talking about this with some of my members recently. There's there's kind of an embarrassment that comes with certain you know being a being seen as a fundamentalist or being seen as kind of a lowbrow farm type sort of a person. And I wonder if that's part of what's connected with Thanksgiving. It seems like a, you know, it's not a esoteric saint day that you, you as the pastor come in with this kind of secret knowledge, hidden knowledge about the origins of this day. It's like, no, we all know what Thanksgiving is about. It's about the pilgrims and the Indians and giving thanks for the harvest. (laughs) So there's no, there's no, it's, it's, What I'm I'm saying is it's not something that we should be embarrassed about, but, but strangely, I think sometimes we are. Well, we're up to our first break. We'll be right back with more Word
0: Fitly Spoken. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The Word, front and center, in doctrine, in history, in life. That's the mission of A Word Fitly Spoken. We've got more on the way. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Thanksgiving. I'm Willie Grills, here with Zell and Heidi and David Apple, talking, of course, about giving thanks. Well, fun first segment, and now I'd like you all to tackle a question that some might be asking. If we think it's salutary to practice or to observe a National Day of Thanksgiving in the church, why not observe Arbor Day or Labor Day or, or some other federal holiday inside the church walls?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, probably because, first of all, it comes down to the fact that something like Arbor Day or Labor Day, you know, given it, its origins and stuff like that, is meant to be, you know, celebrating some other thing, especially, well, I mean, let's take, for example, Labor Day, you know, talking about the labor of the workers, you know, celebrating the American worker and all of its kind of uh, connotations. That's not really something when we're talking about the things of God. Also, with something like Arbor Day talking about trees and, you know, the conservation of nature, which is as important as that might be, again, is not something where we're specifically talking about what God has done for us. Whereas Thanksgiving, on the other hand, I think from the very beginning, and I think we'll get to talk about some of its beginnings here in this segment, has always been about giving thanks for what we have received. You know, yes, some secularize it into just kind of a giving thanks in kind of a generic way, but that's not really the purpose of where Thanksgiving comes from. You know, even from its earliest proclamations, it has always been Thanksgiving to God for the blessings which we have.
2: No, I I don't know that anything else needs to be added to that. The kind of modern aberrations are, you know, turning... Thanksgiving, which has an implication, right, towards God, you're giving thanks to an up to someone particular, but, you know, now tur- things like calling it Turkey Day and such there, that's, that's all sort of a secularization of what was, we can debate, I suppose, whether the founding fathers were Trinitarian or not, but there was always the, the God was in view, in simply the invocation of Thanksgiving. You know, you can't have Thanksgiving without the divine.
0: Right. And if we go back earlier, and now will be a good time, I think, to unpack these historic origins of Thanksgiving. You know, I can't say for sure all the founding fathers were Trinitarian, but I can say the pilgrims who landed in America certainly were. Sure. Now somebody's going to write in, well, actually, Calvinism is, okay,
2: (laughs) (laughs) we get it, okay?
0: But yeah, they're Trinitarians. They come to America, you know, we're we're Plymouth Plantation posting now. They have a very hard go of it, but eventually they come out of it and they have plenty, at least for a season, right? And it ebbs and flows. It gets good and bad throughout the history of colonial America. And when they have a good increase, they say, God be praised. When they don't, they they cry out to God for mercy. And they're still thankful to God. But it it is found in an understanding that God is in control, and it is directly connected with harvest. And so as we mentioned in the beginning, you have in view earlier harvest festivals, and then now these Puritan solemn days of Thanksgiving that they brought with
1: them over from the old world. Do do we know when the earliest, uh, like more official day of Thanksgiving was, or did it kind of was it not very regular for a while? Can you kind of explain that whole history a little bit there, Willie? Okay, so
0: first Thanksgiving, uh, what we typically call the first Thanksgiving, we're going to say was October 1621, after their first harvest in the New World. It was a three day feast. You really only get one really good document about it, and it's still pretty short. And that's from Edward Winslow. Uh, you had a bunch of Indians and fifty something pilgrims it's a it's a it's a good party. I want to say it's almost a hundred Indians if I'm not mistaken yeah. so that's what history called the first thanksgiving forever you know okay. until until very recent history. The New England colonists already had days of prayer, fast days, and feast days, so if they had a victory over their enemies, they might have a feast day or if rain came after a long drought, for example. So you kind of had these national days of Thanksgiving that would that would pop up. But in the 1780s, George Washington proclaims the first Thanksgiving day. Jefferson doesn't observe it, as far as I can tell. And from then on, it's kind of an intermittent day, and we don't really have a set day. Then, m- most famously, in 1863, Abe Lincoln, who is a friend of this podcast, we know... <laughs> I don't know. I live in a state where there are like 300 Lincoln log cabins. That guy moved around. I would hate to have a lease signed by that guy. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) 1863, he proclaims a national day of Thanksgiving, and it is on the last Thursday of November. But it's never like a law. Okay, so Ulysses S. Grant makes Thanksgiving a yearly appointed federal holiday in D.C. By the 1880s, You still have your official Thanksgiving. Other federal holidays are getting paid days, so we're getting more and more federal holidays. Finally, under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, so so for a long time now you've had this custom of the last Thursday in November, right? Well, FDR, thinking that it'll improve the economy, moves between 1939 and 1941— moves Thanksgiving back a week to extend the holiday shopping season. So if you ever wanted to know where the commercialization of Christmas, Thanksgiving, and all of our sacred holidays come from, might be FDR or whoever backed him, his, fi- <laughs> his financiers. I don't know. So, but it's interesting. So he moves it back a week, and apparently America didn't like that. So from 1942 on, by an act of Congress, Thanksgiving is the fourth Thursday in November, and it's no longer up to the president to decide. So, so FDR lost that for every future president.
1: So, so just to be clear here, so prior to FDR, maybe was it from Grant on, or was it just for all the presidents prior from FDR? They actually had to declare a day of Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, it was like yeah, every like year. renewed nationally. Yeah, and yeah. by
0: custom, they followed Lincoln.
1: Okay, okay.
0: It's it, think of it like uh, the two terms thing. That wasn't right. uh, uh, there's also FDR again. That wasn't law until FDR after FDR. It was custom based upon what George Washington did. And so we get that last Thursday as custom based upon what Lincoln did until FDR overreaches. Gotcha. I feel like I should talk about Teddy Roosevelt to kind of cleanse the chat a little bit, but...
2: Maybe. It might not hurt. We but. should do
1: an
0: episode on Teddy Roosevelt. But Yeah,
2: I think uh, you almost just uh, dissuaded me from celebrating Thanksgiving. I mean, <laughs> those names, not so great there. No, really. no,
0: no. To celebrate it on that last Thursday oh, or that okay. fourth it is to repudiate what I he was you. trying to all do. All right, all right. But now, you know, it's kind of funny what he wanted happened. So, you you know, it's now more commercialized than ever. Right. So where now poor poor workers have to work on Thanksgiving Day and be away from their families because you want a 720p Toshiba for seventy nine dollars.
1: <laughs> Although I I do I'm very partial to the idea of celebrating Thanksgiving as a way of dunking on FDR. You know that that's true. That, that really does make me happy in yeah, kind that, of a weird way.
0: So. Yeah, that should give us all reason. Yeah. If you won't celebrate it for God's sake, and if you won't celebrate it out of some kind of national pride, do it against FDR, is what we're saying. I'm just saying, you got to pick one Roosevelt. Which one are you going to pick?
1: Yeah, we all know. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so no, I I think that's helpful because it at least shows that yeah, this is something that has a very long history in the United, in, in the United States, all the way back even before the founding of the nation. So it is something that is ongoing. It is something that has become very much entwined into our culture. I suppose that's that's probably why it's become, you know, so hyper secularized in many places and why it's referred to as things like Turkey Day and that sort of thing. But that doesn't erase the fact that it is something that has always
2: been part of what it means to be an American. Well, there's something very wholesome about having to proclaim it and declare it every year, right? It's if when it's when it's automatic, like most things become, it loses its connection to, you know, we had a we had a increase in our crop this year. We should give thanks for that. Or we had a bad crop this year. We should. Pray for God to, you know, spare us of that next yeah. year.
0: You know, perhaps um, 2020, where people have been forced or at least coerced into giving up things and to going without uh, for a long time, is going to make people appreciate Thanksgiving more. Like, Zoe, when you had a pretty bad drought here in the in the recent future,
1: right? The, re- the recent past, yeah. Or the recent um... past. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it, it It was kind of a hard year. It's not the hardest year we've ever had, but it was something that was at least hard enough, especially in the beginning that, you know, we had a service, you know, for rain, uh, praying for rain, actually, which turned into Thanksgiving for rain since we received a, a tremendous amount of moisture just before the service actually was took place. So, you know, it, it it was something that we were struggling with. But, you know, I mean, it is something that we still have seen blessings come out of. You know, it wasn't nearly as hard as it could have been. And I think that's, I think that in itself shows that, you know, well, giving well, thanks to God is is a good thing. Yeah, that's right? my
0: question. I mean, do you, do you find that when you're deprived of something or things are looking dire, once you see the answer to that prayer, it's all the sweeter and the thanks comes a bit more naturally?
1: Oh, absolutely. I can yeah. still remember pretty clearly when we had that prayer service, which, like I said, turned into a Thanksgiving service the response of the the congregation at that time and, you know, how thankful everybody was to have received as much rain as we did, because, I mean, it was, it was literally like, you know, a couple of weeks of, you know, even several weeks of virtually nothing. And then we received like several inches all, all in the course of like two or three days. I mean, it was, I mean, and maybe that doesn't sound like much out in, you know, other parts of the world where it might rain a couple of inches, you know, on the regular, but up here in this part of the world, you know, rain is kind of a, a precious thing to begin life. And so, you know, it's like like I was when I was growing up, I was always told and something I firmly believe, you know, you should never curse the rain. You know, you should always give thanks for whatever rain we do receive, because in a part of the country where you don't receive much at all in a given year, you know, every little
2: bit is a blessing.
0: David, what was it you did you grow up in the suburbs in Michigan? Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we I I grew up. Almost well, I was born in Canada, but I have no recollection of that, so my I whole just life- found
0: this out. Episode over, guys. Thanks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my, my uh, my whole life has been for A the lie. most part suburbia. Oh, gotcha. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, were you born in Canada like an accident? Or were you one? Were you like? like at niagara falls on vacation and- no
2: this was uh my dad's first parish was in canada he was sent to the huh. it was the grain field i was north of Zellwyn, actually we were in uh oh, saskatchewan. saskatchewan yeah huh so it's interesting you, i don't want to derail this but
0: <laughs> like are you like can can you have canadian citizenship too since you're born there <laughs> Well, i
2: never looked into it i don't i don't think that i could
0: it would be ironic if if, if uh, Canada did not have birthright citizenship considering everything America has to go through
2: well I know I don't have so what I the my paperwork is a, a certificate of birth abroad uh, is like the official form so i it's not a Canadian birth certificate
0: well thus begins the David Apple birther controversy yeah, of yeah, yeah. fitly spoke it'll
2: come back to haunt me I'm sure that I admitted that <laughs> Zoan, please edit yes yeah. <laughs> Nope, this is staying in. This controversy is roaring on. Yeah. I
0: don't even know what to. Wh- I don't even know how to go on from this. Well, you but-
2: wanted you wanted to know about the suburbs.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me about uh, Michigan suburbs while I reel from this. Well, I'm just yeah. happy for the doctrine of adoption that Christ makes us all His children, David. Yeah. yeah. And so America will welcome you into her bosom as well.
2: <laughs> I mean, we don't. So we we were talking in the first segment about the holiday being connected to you know, being closer to the earth. And of course, in suburbia, you are sort of by definition, not. So it was, to me, it was always it, I didn't have these sort of with the wisdom of the elders that said never curse the ground. I mean, my, my grand, my grandpa was a farmer of, so, of a sort, but we, that was never something that we were dependent on the rain or the sunshine. It was, you know, we were going to have whatever food we had, no matter what happened or at least that was my perception of it. So the organic nature of Thanksgiving that Zellwin was just describing that it comes from the the seasons which always remind you of your dependence on God and his providence was not it, it was always something that I heard of course in when you study the Bible and you hear sermons it's something that's told to you but it wasn't as immediately obvious. And I think there is a real
1: There is something in being connected to the seasons, like you say, David, to see that, you know, these things really do come from, you know, the Lord's hand, and that we might have a good year this year, but next year might be not so good. But all of them come from God. And for that reason, you know, we can give thanks even for what little we do have.
2: Yeah, I mean, now the suburbs did afford me, you know, lots of great opportunities to play uh, football. So I I can give thanks for the suburbs, too, because uh, instead of, you know, not knowing who my neighbor was two miles down the road, uh, we had football in the streets and, you know, neighborhood baseball games and cops and robbers and all that good stuff, you know, on a daily basis. So it wasn't a total it wasn't a total uh, letdown. Willie, have you disappeared? Still reeling from David's murder I'm, I'm,
1: I'm just
0: listening to your uh, North Dakota posting and your your Michigan posting and feeling like I don't understand anything that goes on.
1: <laughs> well, what what about you and your your life? You know, growing up in Caintuck and all that and all that. I mean, I'm well, sure you you've understood something. Well, abyss. all of the
0: natives were up and had been moved to your area by then. So. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's ambiguous about when I arrive in the new world,
2: yeah, right. Um,
0: no, I mean everything was. I mean, it's fairly standard, standard fare. But you know, by that time, the tobacco already harvested. Some of it's still getting sold because it's being aged in in barns and such. But you know, it's still you still got some harvest stuff going on. It's still the tail end of of harvest for for other crops. Growing up, it would. It was much bigger, so I can remember Thanksgivings at home, but I also remember Thanksgiving at my grandparents, be my maternal grandparents, and so there's 13 kids there. I'm like grandchild 72 or something, something like in the, <laughs> and I'm the youngest regular grandchild. They got all the great grandkids, so a lot of cousins there, uh, all the aunts and uncles, um, and stuff like that. So it was a very, a very big day, but also Sunday was kind of like that too. So. So for me when I think back to you know uh, early Thanksgiving it, it's kind of like just a bigger a bigger Sunday supper because there's a turkey there and that was kind of the special thing but you know uh, my grandfather always said grace and you couldn't eat until he said grace anyway and so you know I mean there was always this Christian component to every meal my grandmother was a fabulous cook so you definitely thanked God every time you ate at that table more and more and it's not just this is not just 2020 posting but you think about all the people who used to be around that table who aren't with us anymore and then you think in general about uh the the family that just doesn't get together anymore where our families are smaller by and large and and now we're sort of thanks to governors being uh forced into just smaller and smaller settings and i think that's by design you know maybe one of the things we're supposed to be thankful for is the gift of life uh and the gift of of big families and, uh, so that, uh, maybe that's just what, uh, maybe I'm just being wistful, uh, right now as we come up towards the end of the segment, but that's, that's actually what I remember the yep. most, uh, from growing up is just how much bigger things in general used to be.
2: Well, I, the, so in, in I was giving the view from the suburbs, but like it, it we there was the harvest component because you had all this food, but it at least in my family it was very much more like you're describing, Willie, where you have all your cousins there. You're at I we were always at my mom's mom, my mom's mom's house. And it was much more of a family. It was like Thanksgiving for family. You know, you do the thing. Everybody says what they're thankful for, and almost universally, it was for family. So it did become a heavily familial Thanksgiving, as opposed to the the harvest kind yeah. of Thanksgiving. Well, now
0: here would be the, here would be the difference because nobody ever so we never had anything where we said let's all gather out and say what we're thankful for. <laughs> it's more just giving, giving teasing each other te- teasing each other mercilessly
2: and. Falling off of bridges into the creek. You, you were you were not part of the Lutheran Church. So in the Lutheran Church, everything needs a an acronym or some kind of a, <laughs> you know some kind a of a rubric. Special a rubric, yes. Yes. yeah, yes,
0: yeah, exactly. Well, all right, guys, that was uh, that was fun and wholesome. We'll be right back with more word fitly spoken. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The Word of God is the center of our faith life. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast available on iTunes and your favorite podcasting app. Follow us on Twitter at WordFitly. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash WordFitly. And check out our website, WordFitlySpoken.org. We thank you for listening and stay tuned for more Word Fitly Spoken. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi and David Apple talking about Thanksgiving. Well, we've had a fun talk about the history of Thanksgiving and a wistful walk through Thanksgiving's past. Now we're going to Bible post a little bit. David, you wanted to talk uh, some about Paul. What does Paul have to say about Thanksgiving and gratitude?
2: Yeah, there's a couple of things that we'll uh, mention here, but on Thanksgiving Day, if you you use the readings that are assigned in the service book anyways, uh, you have Philippians 4, which we can get to in a minute. but the passage that comes to mind immediately when I think of Thanksgiving is uh, it's in 1 Thessalonians 5 where Paul is kind of just giving a, a series of they're very short, almost like the commandments in Exodus, just very short almost two or three sen- two or three word sentences, admonitions and he says, um, give thanks in all circumstances. And so, you know, you have this Pauline command, and this is where we were saying at the beginning in the first segment, Christianity encompasses um, not just one day of thanksgiving, but um, all of life is meant to be a thanksgiving to the Lord. And I think it's it may be worth kind of bringing this out before we go back and look at some of the harvest things. I think it's it's important to, to point out, Paul doesn't say give thanks when you experience lots of good things, when you have an abundant harvest, but it is give thanks always or in all circumstances. So in 2020, of course, this is certainly helpful for people to see that our Thanksgiving, while it, it does, we said before, naturally arise out of a good harvest or a year of abundance, it's not like that there is nothing to give thanks for in the midst of hardships. and so I, I i would just point that out as a verse to kind of to see all right our thanksgiving day festival is usually tied to harvest but it doesn't have to be just because we had a bumper crop or something.
1: I and mean, i i think that's a helpful verse to bring out too david because sometimes i think we get in this kind of rut or this kind of mindset kind of a gloomy you know, everything's going wrong. I can't see the kind of blessings that I have, you know, or maybe we are really struggling with a very difficult period in our lives. And, you know, it's not just being moody. And it is important to remember that even in those kinds of circumstances, there are still things which are a blessing to us. God does not does not deprive us of every single blessing, you know, because, you know and so we, we should not fall into that kind of rut of thinking that he does or that he's somehow overlooking us even when our lives are difficult
2: there is still something to give thanks for yeah i think the the thanksgiving for even the you know struggles that we face i mean i think that that we've found this just in our own conversations there is a rush that comes from having a struggle from having not a not a fight that's not what i mean but um having work to do having labors to be performed and and things to be accomplished like that Even if it's not super fruitful for us, there is something just to give thanks for, you know, the the gift of creation and of life. And when you're when you're deprived of those things, when you are, um, you know, sort of forced to forego a lot of the normal stuff, you suddenly realize how much you appreciate those those things.
1: Well, and and maybe to, to Walter A. Meyer post again. You know, he could he could proclaim that even when they were going through like the depression and having been deprived of many material things, yet he would point out that there is still a blessing upon America in his time and that the the depression, which was worldwide, was not affecting America quite as hard as it was some other places. You know, so there was still a a signal blessing, even in the midst of that hardship, which America was experiencing. And I mean, yeah, maybe that sounds very patriotic or something. I'm not sure. But the point is still there that, you know, even when we are facing a difficult circumstance, as Paul certainly understood, uh, there is still something to give thanks for.
0: Well, and of course, well, I mean, and, I mean, of course, the obvious the, the obvious thing is, I mean, the mercy of Christ in all things you can give thanks for the Christian. All things work together for good because the Christian loves Christ. The Christian loves God. And so even when you have everything if even when you have everything removed from you, if you've Christ, you've everything. And uh and we and we forget about that. As we psychologize the gospel and want to make the gospel into just something that makes me feel good or whatever, you know, whenever whenever we're in the midst of another third use of the law debate or something like that, and a and a radloof is just coming down in this kind of like tirade, you know, you just want to be reminded that you have Christ. And so in the midst of everything, in the midst of terrible conflict, in the midst of deprivation and storms, times of one, everything, that you truly do have Christ and that that the forgiveness of Christ is not merely just uh, some words spoken over you or a le- or only a legal proclamation, but to have Christ means that God dwells within you and that the same God that dwells within you has made the universe and has caused your crops to grow or your crops to fail or whatever. So whether he's given you something or taken away something from you, that greater promise he's given you, forgiveness in Christ and union with Christ by faith, the call to follow Christ, and even the ears to hear the gospel and the will to follow him comes from him himself. So with every earthly thing we lose, if we truly believe and cling to Christ, we know that he is going to deliver us from it ultimately because he has delivered us from our sins. He has forgiven them and he is now remaking us, conforming us to the image of his son.
1: Well said.
2: Well, and and just think about what is, uh, what is assumed with the command, give thanks in all circumstances. I I think the assumption is that nothing is owed to you, right? That there is no, God is not um, obliged to give you anything. And so everything, because everything that he does give you is given for your good, and that's of course can only be seen or can only be believed through um, Christ's Christ's work. You know, he shows us the gracious hand of the Father, so that even in the midst of hardships, you perceive not God's you know judgment, but his you know his chastening, his discipline.
0: Right.
1: Well, yeah, and. The- that's actually an excellent point too, because in essence, Paul is also saying, "Give thanks for the hard times." Yeah, which which sounds completely foreign to our ears, but yeah, no, we can give thanks to God for even when we struggle, you know, because as as Hebrew says, you know, these things are meant for our good.
2: Well, and then the the other passage, uh, unless you want to go on on First no, 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 Thessalonians, really. All right, the other one uh, that we would want to bring out is, of course. Philippians 4 which has the famous verse i can do all things through Christ who strengthens me but right before that or in the co- Paul says that in the context of of talking about contentment and learning the secret to contentment so that he can face i think he says right i can face having much or having little having plenty or or being I'm losing the words now, not, not having, (laughs) not having plenty. And if you have that contentment, then Thanksgiving is an easy, or it becomes much easier, right? You don't have to rack your brain and say, well, what do I have to give thanks for this year? Is, Is, did anything good happen? I'm not really sure. Yeah. And especially in a year like this one, where people tend to view it as being generally very negative, Yeah, you know? Uh, that nothing good can come out of 2020 which well, is that's, that's it, not true yeah it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy right it's like uh you know right. this is the danger of the black pill is that it just destroys all contentment within a person because all you ever see is all the things that have that have gone wrong right right
0: yeah so so don't take the black pill fam that's what we're saying don't uh don't give in to despair and hey, maybe that's the thing. Maybe um, some of these anti-Thanksgiving guys become so miserable because they're so black-pilled.
1: Could be. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, like you say, David, a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, you're going to see what you want to see. And that is the problem of being so negative about these things is that it will end up
2: making you even more negative and you'll just become mm-hmm. even more dug in kind of a thing. So, David, so. you have another text for us? No, well, I think we were going to, that's that's it for our Pauline posting. Yeah, there, he never says anything else about Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of the things that we love to do here at Word Fitly is to bring back the Old Testament, both um, in the podcast and in society as a basis for our uh, civil law. And so, <laughs> Zellen, does, uh does the Old Testament have anything to say about Thanksgiving?
1: Well, I mean... You could obviously uh, tie Thanksgiving directly to the giving of first fruits, for example, which was a commanded thing within the the Old Testament law that, you know, once you had received these gifts uh, from the hand of God that you should give thanks for and give back a part of what you had actually received, right? So, you know, when you had received the first fruits of your crop, for example, you know, you would take part of that and you would offer it in Thanksgiving to the Lord if you had an increase in your flock. You would take some of the first animals that were born and you don't offer them up as well. Basically all as a point, all as a way of saying, thank you to the Lord for the things which you had received, because it was to help you recognize that all of these things only came from the hand
2: of God. Why, Zelen, why do you think it wasn't enough just to to leave that up to like the the head of the the family? Like, why wasn't it enough to just say, hey, around your table this year." you know, give thanks, say a prayer of thanksgiving. (laughs) Why, why have the, seriously, why have the actual, you know, commanded, mandated bringing in of the first fruits? Well, I think because
1: in a, speaking in a human sense, you know, it would be very easy to just say, you know, well, thanks God kind of a thing. And then just move on (laughs) with your day, you know, you know, and not really feel very thankful at all, but I'm trying to remember the exact passage and maybe you guys can help me remember it here. Part one of the uh, part of giving thanks was also to remember what God had done in the past. You know, a wandering Aramean was my father. Mm. What is that that's, in? I can't remember it. That's Deuteronomy twenty-six. See, I knew somebody would remember. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the the point is, is that this wandering Aramean, that you know, that God had brought them out of Egypt, that He had brought them out of slavery, that He had put them into the land. And now he had given them these new fruits, these first pro- this first produce of the land. All of it was meant as a way of remembering not only just what God had done that particular year, but also everything that God had done. Which I think is something that we would do well to remember
2: today, also. Yeah, it's kind of it sees your this year as a continuation of of previous years, right? You are connected to the to the stream that has come before you. And uh, all of that is flowing out from God's gracious provision. Yeah. Right. Right. And also the, the admonition, too, that
1: when you go into the land and you get all of these good things that I'm giving to you, you know, houses you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant and, you know, basically all of this good stuff that you didn't do anything for, you're, you're supposed to still give thanks and to remember that God gave it to you because otherwise you might think that it was your own hand that got you these things. You know, that in everything, we have to remember that without God, we would have absolutely nothing. And so, yeah, I don't think it's just a matter of, you know, gathering around the table and saying thank you for 50 seconds or something like that. But as a way
2: of remembering everything that God has done and giving thanks as a result. Yeah. And that's I think that's part of what we what we see as as an important like, why does the church why why call for a service on Thanksgiving Day? is because you need more than 50 seconds. I think that's, that's being generous even Zelwyn, (laughs) to, to recount things. And part of the, the value of Thanksgiving is the, in some ways it's, it's the same thing as the value of remembering. Why is it important to remember where this stuff has come to you from and, and all the, the work that's gone into it and the, you know, the, what we would maybe sometimes call the chance you know, the rain and the sun and, and everything with the harvest, but any gift that you have, any, any possession that belongs to you is not, you know, didn't just come up by, you know, your own powers.
1: And I've heard it said too, like with the agri- with agriculture and stuff like that in our whole society, you know, our whole society exists because of a few inches of topsoil. You know, the fact that we are able to produce food from year to year and to do it consistently is something that I think we take for granted. You know, without God sending the rain, without God giving the growth, without God giving the increase, our whole civilization would come to a crashing halt within a matter of weeks. I mean, it, it really is something that we can see in the, ha- in the things that we receive, especially when we are tied to the land. this continued giving of God. And so it's only natural for us to give thanks back to him. Well, amen, Z.
0: very well said. And w- one more final point in the Old Testament. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Purim and what that has to do with, with all of this?
1: Well, if you know the Book of Esther well, you would know that part of what, what they were delivered from, of course, was the attacks of Haman and those who were trying to destroy them. And then so finally, in Chapter 9 of Esther, once they kind of turn the tables around and actually get the victory over those who were trying to destroy them, one of the things which they set up as a day of thanksgiving, as a day of remembrance, is the day of Purim which of course is also in the New Testament you see it uh, celebrated in a couple places in the gospels but it is a day of re- of recalling the things that God had done for his people and the things which had you know how they were delivered from their enemies and so i think the reason why that is applicable in this case is cuz i think sometimes you know we get this idea that thanksgiving is not something that we might that we need to be doing because you know well it's it's too recent or it's just for these reasons that we don't want to get into But in reality, there's all kinds of reasons to give thanksgiving to God. And, you know, it can even be something that has happened in history specifically. I mean, this is a celebration of something that had happened at a specific date and a specific time. So, you know, giving thanks is not just for the issue of the harvest. It is also for the acts of God throughout history.
2: I like that you said if you know the book of Esther I feel personally attacked by that Zoin. <laughs> well, yeah, I got to I got to bring down the law somehow, so. <laughs> but it's a great point. I mean, the the giving thanks for the founding of a of a nation, I mean, I know that that's not exactly included in Thanksgiving, but I think it's part of it and and this goes back to what I was saying there there's sometimes an embarrassment over thanking God for the the fruits of creation, as if that was somehow unconnected from redemption. I know these are different sorts of blessings, but the gift of a nation, and I think even though our nation is going through certainly a, a difficult time, I don't know, <laughs> we could say too much more on that, but it is valuable to say, like, we have experienced so many good things in this nation, and to not be thankful for that is I think, to overlook a great opportunity that we have here.
0: Yeah. And, you know, is it okay to still be proud of your country and to still Uh, be thankful for what you (laughs) have, but also to be proud to be American? Like It was like I woke up one day and all of a sudden everybody was Jeremiah Wright. It's okay to love your, your country and it's okay to love your state. It's okay to love your community. But anywhere you're at in America or even in the world you you can be thankful, but you know particularly since we're talking about american an American day of thanks we just want to be want to be grateful for where we are and to not be ashamed of of who we are and uh, knowing that you know we can pray to God to make our country better we can always you know keep working and striving but it, it's it's okay to be to be american and on that very Uh, nationalistic point, I now have to uh, end because apparently we're having some technical difficulties so sorry about that, we're going to end just a little bit early today so, this has been a Word Fitly Spoken, if you like what you heard and want to know more check us out at wordfitlyspoken.org facebook.com slash wordfitly or twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi and David Apple. God love you and God bless Let us not, however, overlook the strengthening fact that penitent prayer, in Christ's name, helped this nation in the past. George Washington on his knees at Valley Forge, his face wet with tears, his voice solemnly raised to God. Abraham Lincoln, who, during the crucial years of the Civil War, started the custom of an annual Thanksgiving Day. These men, and millions of humble Christians, joined with them in prayers mightily answered New God's ancient promise, which also assures the American people today that, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Put confident prayer into the hearts of the nation's youth instead of the un-American drivel which some of your sons and daughters are being filled today, and we shall have real patriotism. Walter Meyer.